leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. It is Renee Small, and I am live again on another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. This is a special edition, and I'm here with Dan Schaefer, PhD. Say hi to everyone, Dan. Hi, everyone. So we are here because Dan has been in this type of situation before. He is he helps people. He has a company that helps people with peak performance, especially during times of um, extreme chaos and change and challenges and um, black swans. I've known Dan for, gosh, 10 years plus. Longer than 10 Longer than 10 years? Am I really that old? I have no comment. (laughs) So, Dan, I'm going to turn it over to you. We're all so stressed out right now. We're having so many different challenges when it comes to um, this this current pandemic. You know, talk to us about what people should be doing in this space. Uh, Great, great question. I think that's what everybody's asking today, Renee, is that... uh, Everybody wants to know what they should be doing, but what people are not telling them is how. So I think what we're going to focus this conversation on in the programs we do going forward from here is on the how-to of all of this. Uh, the key issues are uh, people need to understand, first of all, about what stress means to somebody, how much this stress really impacts on things like errors, omissions, accidents, safety, and how much they really have to uh, pay attention and not allow those stresses to distract themselves. So there's a very interesting strategy that we can open up with, is if everybody who's listening in here can, uh, can just sit up straight in their chair and start to move their right foot clockwise, round and round, round and round, round and round. And while the foot is going round and round with their right hand, draw a big number six in the air, and they'll see that their foot goes backwards. And it goes, I can't oh, do it. I'm trying to do it. I can't no, do it. No, you, no, you got to draw the six the right way. But at the end of the day, what it, it's not how that happens, but what it tells you is that people cannot afford a second of distraction if they want to perform at their best. So we're talking about people identifying and how important it is to identify your A game and understand when you're off. I'll come back to a, uh, a hockey goaltender who's a client of mine. I work with both athletes and, and business people. But I had a hockey goalie say to me, when I'm performing at my best, uh, I don't hear any crowds. The puck is the size of a dinner plate, and the game moves very slowly. When any one of those three things change, I know I'm losing my concentration. And I'd say to him, well, what do you do next? What do you? He said, well, I hope that it comes back. Well, we all know that hope is not a strategy. So what can somebody do to get themselves back? So here's another quick tip that people can use. 
we talk about self-talk, how people talk over and over and they hear this internal chatter going on in their head and they get sick of it and it goes on and on and on and on. Well, there's a way to stop it instantly. Just push your tongue up to the roof of your mouth and it stops. Why? I have no idea. It just really <laughs> works very well. So people who are in high stress situations, uh, I just got off the phone with somebody before we are doing this call who was talking about I'm pressured by what's going on. And we gave him a strategy to avoid the pressure. So it's looking at your mind game strategies, how stress impacts on you, uh, how to how to identify when you're stressed and how not to let what the your personal reaction to what's going on uh, impact on the environment that you're in. Right. So Dan, there's so much. Um, I know you've worked with professional athletes and CEOs of major corporations and things like that. When they have dealt with, and you dealt with, you've dealt with grievance. I mean, I mean, grief. You've dealt with so many different things over the years. So, I mean, the biggest catastrophe. This is like probably in some of our life, lifetimes, we haven't seen anything like this. I don't think any of us has seen something like this in in our lifetime. Um, but if you could compare it to, you know, like nine eleven, things like that, some of the some of the um, the, the the way people are dealing with the stress and the overwhelm and things like that, can you talk to how um, you know the light at the end of the tunnel in a way, like how you can see like this is this will pass, this too will pass. That that's a great question, and I think a lot of people are asking that. But the question comes back: How do they deal with it now? Uh, I mean, right now, I will ask people: What do you need to have happen right now that's not happening? And part of what my practice is is to look at discover what's in the way, what's really preventing somebody from from performing at their best. But at the end of the day, it's about each individual's a game to make sure that they are bringing the very best that they have and all the things that they do well into the, into the workplace. And, and that poses another problem. One of the big problems is unconscious competence. Uh, people today uh, have huge management situations and huge management challenges. And more so now, which we're going to talk about as we go forward is, is the impact of, of, uh, um, Remote management. How do you manage a remote team? I don't believe it's possible to manage them as effectively on as you do when they're face-to-face or in your own environment as when you come up with a management strategy. And I did this with Hewlett Packard for years. We put in a remote strategy. I have a, a client who was in Europe, and uh, he had a re- remote team that was all over the world. And so we put a strategy together to do that. But one of the things is, is that and I ask people to start out by identifying, you know, uh, what's what their stress is like. How are they dealing with their stress? And is everything that they're dealing with really stress? Uh, I had a client who ran a huge foundation and she said to me, uh, I want to, uh, I want to knock my stress down. She said, this is driving me crazy. So I said, okay, let's spend a week just looking at everything you do and identify, is it stress or is it action? The action is what got her out of bed every day. 
and the stresses and stuff that got in the way of it. So what's stress and and what's that? And she discovered that that at the end she had far less stress and a lot more action than she thought about. But we started out by saying, what are you, you know, the kind of questions you need to ask yourself. What are you bringing? What, what are you bringing into the workplace every day that comes from outside? And then what are you taking from, from outside and taking it home with you? So separating these things in, in uh, different segments. Now, what's interesting is the way subconscious mind works, which is a lot of what we work with. We've talked about this for years, is that uh, how do people separate themselves from that? How important is it to identify uh, what, what really is happening? And so can you control that? Can you take the stresses of home and leave them in your car before you walk into the wor- workplace? And when you're in a workplace and you're leaving, can you leave the workplace information there? But now it's a different situation because right. everybody's, everybody's working from home. Right. It's a virtual so car. So there are unique challenges. People are getting used to technology. I mean, having somebody who can effectively manage your technology it is infinitely more critical now than it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Because, you know, what happens is, is that I find a lot of the people I work with, Renee, uh, are at the top of their game, have one shot at their next deal or their next interaction, and are they preparing to compete for that? A lot of people are not preparing to compete. So it's, it's really a competition, but sometimes it's also a competition with your mind. What I use with athletes frequently that applies very well with business is helping people identify how they talk to themselves in different situations. You know, what, uh, what, is, what somebody says to themselves is, is critical. And, uh, and this is another tip that, that's really hidden under the radar, is that um, people will frequently tell themselves what they don't want to have happen. Well, that's not the way the subconscious mind works because subconscious mind never understands a negative command. So let's go back to football. The very time, the, the, the first time the Giants played the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the Patriots had 18 straight games that they had won. And somebody said, who do you think is going to win? And I said, I think the Patriots are going to find a way to lose. And they said, how can you say that? I said, because they are coming into this game saying, we don't want to lose. The message that subconscious mind gets is where all their skill and talent is, uh, is here's, it never hears that. So it yeah. hears lose, lose, lose. And it happened twice. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, you, you and I talked about this a long time ago, but it's funny because my husband and I were talking about our kids and how if we say don't do X, it's like immediately they go do it. Because, oh, because then I... Renee, it's only your kids, not mine, not anybody else's on it. So only your kids. It's like you say you say don't, and I and I remind him even. I was like, Dan says, you know, they don't hear the don't. We don't hear the don't. We don't hear whatever. We only hear the action piece. Um you, know, you, you brought another issue up when we started, and, and today people need to look at, at the impact that all of this has on the issues that we talked about, and we'll talk about my book later on, but it, it's uh, the impact that loss and life transition has on on people's behavior. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we're looking at uh, a situation where people, it's very uncertain. Uh, people come back with emotional responses. Their kids easily misinterpret what's going on. And so the communication with children becomes absolutely critical. Yeah. What do you say to your kids about what's going on? Uh, so with this uh, sequestering of people, I just read in a paper today that India sequestered the whole country. Yeah. Billions of people don't go out. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different time. You know, September 11th was, was a black swan really, but this is beyond the, the charts. So what are people doing and how are they supporting their teams of people to make sure that they have a strategy to deal with this? Yeah. That's, that's what, and we've been talking about that stuff for years. Yeah. Um, Ronald Robinson has a couple of questions. He wants to know, since the passing of the stimulus package, how soon will the business community get back in gear? And, oh, yeah, he has one question, then I have another one after that. How, how quickly will it get back into? Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's, it's going to happen very quickly. You see, I, you don't have an untrained workforce. You have people who know what they're doing. And the other thing, too, is interesting. They're doing this at home. It's not like they're out of work, depending on what he does, but they're not like they're out of work. They're in touch with people. But I would suggest that to take a careful look at what's not happening right now that you need to have happen. They may have the interpersonal contact with people. Uh, I think business is going to come back very, very quickly once people get comfortable uh, about being able to go into the workplace and I get sick. Right. You know, we, we have towns in, in Connecticut that, that uh, you know, they close the schools down because people had a party. Come on, you know. But, it, but again, you see it all over the place. Yeah, I saw. I, I was reading some, some articles this morning about somebody having a wedding. Um, oh, yeah. In Staten Island. And then I, I also, when you talk about the grief part, I saw some a young lady, uh, a young principal who was, I think, 36, who passed away um, due to coronavirus. So you talk about the grief aspect, and they were saying she was a, such a beloved principal, and then her colleague, another principal, and another, it was one of those schools that had multiple schools within a school. So the second principal is now in the hospital, um, you know, fighting well, the virus. Well, you know, we, we dealt with this back in Brooklyn. Because I was... So this was in Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, I was prepared to come in and talk about uh, competitive edge strategies for students, focus, concentration for exams, and that kind of stuff, and strategies to help them do that. And they were aware that... I, mean, I had, I'll had. mention a book now. It's How Do We Tell the Children? It's a guide to helping parents explain death to kids. That was... Uh, that was... Uh, uh, used because parents just said, I don't, I don't know what to say to my kids and I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. And frequently I don't have a lot of time to tell them. Right. So, uh, but when we went in to do this sports and uh, performance piece, one of your administrators said, you know, we've had, we had two kids die this summer and these parents who were in the audience, there were about 90 parents. They said, we don't know what to say to our kids about these classmates who are not going to be there next year. Yeah. So, you know, there are certain, we're identifying places that you don't want to be. You don't right. want to be the parents with a kid with a kid who's asking you, 
what do I say? And, and not know what to say. Right. And so this, how do we tell the children? It's New Market Press. Uh, you can get it online. I think the thing is, is that, but again, it comes back to uh, making it easy uh, so people can communicate with their kids. Yeah. I know one of the tips you told me last, um, from years ago, but when my dad was sick last year before he, in the summer before he passed, and my son asked me um, why, he, he was concerned because, you know, when we say granddad, he was like, which one? One he sees more often is closer to. Um, but he said, you know, I, you know, that granddad is sick, you know, and he's he's going to pass. He's passing away. Or I, I can't remember the verbiage, but I had to tell him, you know, he was really, 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 really sick. You know, <laughs> like a ton of really so that he gets in his little mind, like, okay, if another granddad just gets, catches a cold or has, you know, whatever, and he's sick, it's not the same. It's not but the it same goes beyond same. that because yeah. what happens is, is the way kids look at this stuff is they'll say, you know, uh, it, 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 could my mother be sick? My mother visited my grandmother. Could she catch what he had? Did something happen to my parents? And so it's making sure that the language is used correctly, but using those multiple varies is really important. Yeah. Tyrone also says, um, though I'm concerned about COVID-19 and its impact on us as individuals and our society, I consciously choose to not stress about it and try to encourage others through this. And he also says on encouraging others, how do you maintain? So his question is on encouraging others, how do you maintain a balance between being realistic or, and authentic without being too idealistic? That's a great question. I think it comes back to each individual, how each individual approaches people. You know, it's like with grief. Uh, nobody grieves the same. There's no, uh, there's no template for how to grieve. Because you can be absolutely certain if you experience a loss, whether it's a job or a divorce or, or a death in a family, you're going to find that people, uh, people just don't understand you. They say you're not grieving the way you're supposed to. So everybody grieves individually. Nobody grieves the same way. But it's how people deal with that stress. I mean, we, you know, I, I can remember uh, talking to uh, right after September 11th, I was asked to come in to MetLife to do some programming for them. And I had a guy who had, just because of circumstances, had a team of about eight or 10 people that he was getting out of the towers. And he said to me, he said, we were almost to the bottom. And he said, we went into like a foyer and it was a big Snapple machine. He said, so I took a uh, fire extinguisher, I broke it open and I was handing Snapple out to the people that was coming, were coming down with me. He says, then I found myself standing in front of the machine going, ah, diet or regular? I've been drinking diet. Should I really drink the regular Snapple? He goes, I'm saying to myself in retrospect, was I crazy? But no, it's like he just, yeah, I have to go for diet. So, you know, it, but it's it's interesting. People look at that. And so it, it's, but, you know, each situation is individual. The impact that happens on a company uh, can be can be critical with, with uh, with grief and bereavement. I mean, you take uh, you take somebody that has a uh, oh errors, omissions, accidents, and safety. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a I had a guy I used to play golf with some years ago, and he said to me, you know, he said I should have called you in uh, when my controller's sister died. 
I said, where'd she die from? He said, she died of cancer. And I said, he said, but her performance is down. Customer relations are off. She's not doing what she needs to do. She, she's stressed out all the time. And I said to her, the time you should have called me was when she told you her sister was sick, because that's when things were going to start to trickle down. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of information I have. I'll be happy to get it to you if you want, but we look at leadership in a time of loss. I mean, what what a lead, what is what is it? What can leaders do to make it easier for their people to do what they need to do? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yesterday we had a, a lady on named Gretchen Richards, and she talked about um, she talked about employee engagement, and specifically during this virtual time. So for some of us, many of us we're virtual all the time. So all my work is virtual and I work from home all the time. My challenge now is because I have all these little kids home, (laughs) what do I do with them when I need to get on a live stream like this or, you know, what have you. And this one guy I was talking to the other day, he's, he's, we were talking about something else, another project I'm working on. And he said, embrace the chaos. And I, and I realized like, you know, sometimes you just got to embrace it. And I tell people, Hey, little ones in the background, everybody understands because everyone has, if they have little ones in the background right now too. Um, But she just talked about like the virtual workforce. So some of the things I remember that you and I had talked about in the past and that you, you talk about, she talked about too, is the coaching culture. And when you talk about managing, um, managing employees and like, really when they're when you were at um i guess hewlett packard or one of the companies that they're across they were across the world so at that time you had to manage you were well technically not manage but i know you talk about the coaching culture um and how to make employees feel that they are um, getting what they need from you without uh, especially i brought up to gretchen a newer employee or people who are not used to this feeling that they would either um, be look be um, looking like a, a manager is like, I don't know, not micromanaging, but just checking in all the time. So we kind of chatted about that yesterday. So I would be curious about your thoughts on. Yeah, I on think the, the, co- the coaching culture is, is very interesting. One of the things that, that are critical to make it work is that the person who's the manager needs to have a really good sense of what he does well and how he operates himself. One of the biggest, not biggest, but there's a big drain on corporate performance with unconscious competence, particularly with development of people. Uh, You know, there's conscious competence. There are four levels of learning. Unconscious incompetence. I don't know anything, and I don't know that I don't know anything. And then it's conscious competence. You know, I play blues guitar. I don't play sax. Then knowing what you do well. But the third thing, fourth thing is, is when you do things so well, so often, automatically without thinking about it, it becomes a challenge to teach somebody underneath you what you don't know that you know. So the first thing that we did, we did this with HP, and we've got a system to do this. Identify what you do well, and then to commit to the coaching culture, it's to, and I did this with a law firm in the city. I said to uh, he said to me, uh, look. Uh, I said if you go to a coaching culture, I said what? Let me let me see. let's say I come to work for you and I, 
-hmm. and you you if you try to manage me remotely you'd have to you'd, it'd be tough for you to step on what my behavior was however if you said to me dan here's a project take it home and come back to me uh in a day or two or three and tell me how you're going to handle this the most important thing for the coach is to shut up let the person talk about how they're going to handle it because what they do they will either instill your confidence in them or let you know that they're not capable of handling it but you know before the person even walks out the door of your office so that's the first part there's three parts the second part is a time commitment we need this done by june 15th and you think of anything that will get in your way of having this done by june 15th the third item is you just say to the person now you've told me how you're going to handle it and i agree with your process where i agree with your time frame the third question is what do you need from me what kind of resources do you need from me as your manager to make this happen it might be computer training it might be technological support it might be somebody to hold your hand or be at your back but at the end of the day uh what do you need from me so the management strategies rather than saying to somebody uh are you doing what you're supposed to do? Are you doing what you said you do? All you need to do is somebody say, do you need anything from me today? Do you need anything from me today? Do you need anything from me today? So it's a calmer and nicer way. The other thing is, is it really is about developing people. Make people, you know, and you'll, you'll find out pretty quickly who's going to you know, clone you when you need to be cloned. So, but it's a system. But the system is different with each people, with each group. So with one person I worked with, uh, he managed 20 people, which is a lot of people to manage. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, your packet usually puts a limit of seven on the amount of people you can coach. But again, each situation is different, but the outcome is the same. That's why we've talked about, I mean, everybody I work with today is in 2025 working backwards. I only work backwards. Where do you want to be? Tell me what it looks like. Tell me what it feels like. Tell me what you want that all to be. And then let's look, let's look back at anything you could possibly do to foul that up. Yeah. Yep. So I got some questions here. Um, well, I have some comments. Gretchen. Yay, Gretchen is on. Gretchen is back. She was here Hi, yesterday. <laughs> I told Dan about you, Gretchen. So um, coaching, Gretchen said coaching culture is so important. It is such a good way to ensure accountability and provide on-the-job training. And Gretchen gave great examples yesterday when she was on because she pretty much said the exact same thing. She talked about, you know, managers being able to check in, the tone of the check-in, how they're checking in, you know, all of that, everything you just said. Um, and then Ron says, Ron Robinson says, since most individuals work from home, what precautions do you recommend to safeguard your business, your business responsibilities? Uh, are they talking about cybersecurity issues? What kind of issues is Ron talking uh, about? Well, he's an executive cybersecurity professional, so probably yes. I, I know two people who are very high-level traders, and their companies set them up at home. They send tech people in to set them up at home so they can trade from home. So I would have to know what the situation was or what the risk was but, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
And again, if, as Gretchen will attest to, if, if somebody says to you, here is how I'm going to handle something, and you agree with that, then they've really made a commitment to do something in a particular way and put up whatever particular safeguards they need to. Um, and then if you've complied, if they've agreed with you on a time frame and they come back with knowing, uh, you come back with knowing exactly what you need for them, uh, you're in a better shape. I know somebody was talking about everybody's sold the home and work remotely. Well, their, their computers were not adequate to do that. Their home computers weren't adequate to do that. Right. Uh, and, and not only that, but then they didn't have the technical expertise that they need to, uh, to do that. I mean, I, I work with, with a, a tech guy. You know, I, it's, uh, you know I, I, we've kidded a long time. I still get my mail by Pony Express today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Tremendous progress. You're awesome. Yes, you're on live now. You're live streaming. Look yeah, how about that? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so everyone, it looks like all the questions so far that are coming in, but people are, are streaming in now. Um, but we've been talking for almost a half an hour. So Dan, if you wanted to um, provide folks with a couple, well, there's a couple different things. One, we're going to have Dan on pretty frequently. Uh, we're looking at Monday afternoons. So Dan can come and share his wisdom because like I said before, he has, um, he has seen so much and has been in so many of these scenarios and has helped children through grief, parents, you know, adults through grief situations, um, you know, catastrophes, just all of this that's happened over the number, over the years. And um, I always like to, well, one, I just love Dan. <laughs> and then two, I, I like to look back on history and, and look into history and see like, okay, well, this happened before, you know, people were asking me about the recession um, a couple weeks ago. Well, not even a couple weeks ago. We, there was a lot of discussion around it in the summer. And, um, you know, if you look at graphs, every couple, every, you know, decade and a half, 20 years, whatever the case is, you know, you get a recession. You get a recession. You got big, huge ones. You get big, deep, you know, the big the depression. You get the, you know, the big recession. Um, or I forget what the title of it that they called it in, the, in 08. Um, but, you know, every... It, it it's going to happen, right? It's going to happen all the time. So um, none of us expected anything like this. So it's a brand new world for us all. Um, but I want Dan to come on and give us some coaching and guidance and, and everything else because of his expertise. Dan does have a couple books that are out there. I'll put those, Dan, I'll put the books and everything in the link. Okay. So when people are, when people are either seeing this on, um, LinkedIn or face or uh, it's on LinkedIn and YouTube right now. I'll probably add in Facebook too, um, but I will put links to your website and um, all of that on there as well. But if you wanted to give folks um, a piece of advice to take with them this week while we're dealing with all this, we're dealing with some of this chaos and what's going on. What would you? Uh, I'm, plug, what I'm would plugging you tell my them? computer in here. I'm getting a message that says plug your computer in. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me, I guess, I think yesterday or the day before where my battery was dying. It was like, it's like, ah. Oh. 
Well, uh, first thing is, is that uh, I want to thank everybody who's, who's come in today and for the questions. Uh, on If they go to my website, which they may want to look at the website, it's uh, danshaferphd.com. Yeah, a lot of information and videos and things on that that address these and some of the other issues. Uh, But that the information is available right now. They want the other thing they can do if they want is at the bottom of each page is my phone number. If they want to give me a call and refer to the program, I'd be happy to talk to them about their specific situation. We have a confidential sounding board, which is uh, a, a scenario where people. Uh, can talk without any connection to anybody. So frequently, uh, I'll work with people on their home emails and their uh, their cell phones as opposed to office stuff. Uh, but again, it, it's it's once again uh, that everybody I see is a CEO of their own company, and they need to operate that way. And there are some articles about that. So if somebody, if I re- referred something, Today, if somebody wants to go on my website and look for the articles or call me, I'll be happy to send it to them. But it's about, you know, what do you need to do right now that's not happening? Yeah. And, yeah. and think and, and notice the pressure that your people are under because there's a lot of people who have no resources at all to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you think about no resources. I was saying yesterday to someone I can, you know, I think about single parents, you know, I, I just, I don't even know. <laughs> like, how does that even operate? And Gretchen made a point, Gretchen made a comment about a young lady who was, you know, a single parent and having to take care of her kids because nobody's at, you know, the kid is now at home. So there's so many pieces to this. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. We will have you on again next week. And right. I will put, I put your, uh, your website into the chat. I will also, when I update this, I will edit it and put your website on there as well so people can go out and check out your info. And then we will see you back again next week. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye. Everybody stay safe. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.